We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. So here we are. We are live, finally, with uh, with Shane Hazel. We've been working on, I think, putting a talk together, me coming on his, on his podcast or him coming on my podcast since, I want to say it was the end of May. Pennsylvania last year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to so, tell you right now, Lions of Liberty, man, this whole crowd, it is absolutely 100% my fault. Is uh, I will take all the onus on this one, man. We we have just been, I mean, you guys are crazy busy. I know I've been just slammed and trying to get our lives together where we're not injured or somebody's sick or traveling and kids. And you, I mean, you name it. There's a billion things going on. So, man, I, I'm tickled to finally be doing this with you. I think we're going to have some fun. Yeah, it's it's great to have you here. And uh, yeah, when, when I met you in person, funny story, it was that room we were in. I mean, I've talked about it a lot on this show and other platforms, but a packed room. And I'm standing off on a uh, standing off like against the wall, and some random person next to me is like, "Hey," and elbows me. Is that Shane Hazel? And points to the, a, a bald guy in the middle of the crowd. I'm like, "Holy shit! I think it is. What is he doing here?" <laughs> and I tracked you down at the end of the night and uh, found out that you're even in person. You're a good person in person, and also oh, I'm man. talking on Twitter. Don't, so don't tell anybody that, man. I've got a reputation to uphold out there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're a lot taller than I thought you were, man. If, for those of you guys who don't know, John's like eight six, and uh, <laughs> you know, <you're> like <laughs> I feel like a tall guy. But I'm, I'm, man, I'm meeting so many people in this liberty movement that are just absolute giants, man. It's crazy crazy but uh yeah it was it was cool to to run into you up there and uh and pa man i mean what a that was a fun night wasn't it? i mean the yeah, energy cool in night. that room was contagious yeah dave smith uh brought the uh brought the room down or whatever whatever the term yeah. is but that was that was really cool dave another tall libertarian not as tall as me though first some no. people say that he's the tallest he's not the tallest libertarian podcaster <laughs> we might have the longest arms though dave has ridiculously long arms you in, in, out of all the podcasters that I've met, you might actually be the tallest I know in oh. uh, Liberty Land. We'll have to get a plaque put together for that. <laughs> Participation trophy of some sort. <laughs> all right, man. Well, enough uh, with the pleasantries here. Let's get into talking about some uh, some politics, some uh, just current events going on in the world. Let's start with with you. You just came from the Georgia Libertarian Convention. And there's a rumor going around that I think Marjorie Taylor Greene might have started this rumor that you're you're running for running for governor in Georgia. Did I did you get the nomination? I think she did start the rumor, man, because <laughs> it definitely wasn't being picked up by anybody else in mainstream. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, man, we, um, locked up the nomination yesterday. <laughs> Actually, man, and I was telling you before we came on air, I had to leave. I went in Saturday um, and. You know, kind of toughed it out. I didn't even think I was going to be able to go with my back. And then uh, kind of just spent all day up and down, standing around, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, by the next morning, uh, I was in some trouble. So I just had to tell my guys, I said, hey, guys, I'm I'm not going to make it in today. I'm going to have to head home and 
kind of nurse this thing a little bit. So, yeah, man, I locked it up, and I'm super grateful. I haven't even done my own show on the results from this yet. So, <laughs> so you have the exclusive, John. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's kind of surreal to be, you know, nominated to run for something, you know, like governor or anything else like that right now uh, for, for this amazing party. So it's cool. Was it, uh, was it uncontested? Did you have, uh, were there other competing nominations? You know, I didn't, I didn't have any word that there was any, uh, anybody coming in and that's the thing like Georgia, man. Um, I kind of get along with everybody down here and everybody kind of knows me anyway. So, you know, I don't know if it was a foregone conclusion when I, when I said that I was going to do this back in, you know, late 2020, uh, or, or if, you know, maybe somebody wanted to, it was just like, there's no way I'm going to beat this guy in you know, in Georgia. So I don't know. I, I, it's a great question. I have no idea if it was contested or not. And there's always Noda beat out Noda. That's, I mean, oh God, what a painful. <laughs> there's always the one guy who's going to, who doesn't beat Noda. Noda. <laughs> I'm just, was kidding. it a, um, was it a good, a good turnout from, you know, the time you were there with, uh, you know, with this, this Omicron going around that doesn't scare libertarians too much, but not, especially not in Georgia. Um, yeah, we had a great turnout, man. There was a couple people in masks here and there, but you know, uh, typical libertarian crowd, nobody cared. Um, nobody said mm-hmm. anything either way. You know, I, I, there might've been some, you know, what do you say from the guy in the mask over there? Like, you know, just kind of like tongue in cheeks, but yeah, no, we had a great uh, turnout. Uh, I, I think it was probably over 150 people kind of just guesstimating by the, the room size and, um, you know, lots of energy. Hannah Cox, uh, God bless her, came out and spoke uh, for the keynote on Saturday. Uh, and we had, you know, just a, a great lineup of, of people, you know, like John Mons was out there, Doug Craig. Um, we got a, a, a great new guy that's come over from the Republican Party. Uh, Ken Poland is a former state rep over here as a Republican who's now joined uh, the Libertarian Party and, you know, is looking to do some big things. He's running for... I think the, uh, the school board, uh, George school board, uh, commissioner. And so, you know, like mm. we've got, we, we actually, for the first time in history down here, we filled out the entire, uh, ballot for the statewide races this year. Oh, that's the first time in history of that. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, when you're knocking first off in, in 2022 uh, here, it's, I, I think that's a, that's a really big deal. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hats off to everybody that participated, um, you know, I think business day from what I hear was pretty low drama, which, you know, in this day and age, that's always Jeez. a good thing too. You know, yeah. I mean, I know like you, there's a lot, I, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, if you're looking for places to go in this climate right now where, um, you know, freedom is, is being, you know, kind of crushed and, and decimated, uh, Georgia is a really good place, man. Uh, in North Georgia, uh, where, where I live, uh, maybe f- the future, uh, Appalachia stand. Uh, we're gonna try to, you know, try to fill as many people up here as possible. So I know New Hampshire's got the free state project and stuff going on, but if you don't like snow and cold weather, like this is kind of your place. You're up in uh, northern Georgia. Are you anywhere close to like uh, Sugar Hill area? You you farther north than like Buford, or farther north than that? Yeah, I actually grew up over there in Gwinnett County near uh, Sugar Hill. Okay. And Buford. Yeah, um, nice. but no, but I, I'm uh, definitely way further north and west of where they're okay. at. So, kind of central Georgia, uh, central middle Georgia up here. Cherokee County is the name of the county, and uh, you, you're starting to get into real mountains up here. And um, yeah, man, it's you know it's it's a little different. You know, it's it's kind of that 
uh, I would say homesteading type of lifestyle, uh, but definitely, you know, far removed from the suburbs of Atlanta for sure. Yeah. My sister's in, uh, in Sugar Hill. And like when I compare me being in Pennsylvania in, uh, in Pittsburgh and her in Sugar Hill, I would say pretty much everything about their life down there. There's, there's more freedom, more liberty, except for when it comes to what's happening in, in the schools in Georgia, because the schools are run by the county. So yeah. the counties and the counties are, are massive in Georgia. So you're getting dictated what's being taught to your kids in school by this massive, I, I guess she's in Gwinnett County, I think. Yeah. Um, Gwinnett was like one of the, it might be the biggest school district in the entire state. Um, yeah, it's it's massive. I mean, she was actually I, when I ran in 2018 for Congress. I think uh, Sugar Hill was actually in the district there. So, yeah. How long has she been there? She was she a voter? <laughs> she just probably kidding. didn't vote for you. <laughs> <laughs> she's not she's not so liberty leaning, or she just doesn't like uh, obnoxious bald guys. <laughs> no, she's. Uh, I, I would say, um, I don't know if she she probably voted. Probably with each with each election, she probably becomes more liberty leaning. But yeah, she's coming from the same side I came from, the uh, neoconservative Republican side. So she's just inching a little little more slowly than than I did. I just I just leapt over. You know, it takes time, man. You're busy in this age <laughs> with you know life and kids and everything else. So mm-hmm. you know Rothbard and Mises and the rest of those things that you know really kind of pull you over to the anarchy side is uh, it's tough to get to sometimes. Yeah, people don't have time to read all those libertarian books. <laughs> right. So, so you started out um, in your political runnings with uh, with the congressional run. You said I did. Yeah, 2018, man. I actually uh, I came back to my the district I grew up in, and I ran as a Republican. So you ran 2018 mm-hmm. Congress, 2020 yep. Senate, 2022 Governor. Why do you why do you keep, why do you keep running for office? Do you like the the punishment or what what keeps bringing you back for more? I'm definitely a sadist, man. I mean, you look at <laughs> you know, kind of my history. You know, ran off to war right after 9/11. I mean, played um, football in some of the you know the, the best teams in Georgia maybe ever uh, down here, and it was just brutal. Like I I don't know, man. Like I'm I'm kind of a glutton for just you know seeing something you know that needs work and going in and putting in a ton of work suffering through it um but i mean this is something that's you know near and dear to me it's just there's a there's a a fight that needs to be had right like and when you when you're better equipped to handle these fights than probably i don't know I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to hold myself up on a pedestal, but like when you, when you've seen this government operate, especially overseas, the way it does. Um, and then you understand, you know, what the constitution was supposed to be. And obviously, you know, the anti-federalists were like, man, it's a, it's a coup, but you know, like when you understand all these things and you understand who these people are, um, they're not real smart. The people who are representatives, they don't, I mean, they, they know a, a little bit to get by, but what they really know is fundraising, right? And so, you know, part of my my skill set coming out of the Marine Corps is disruption. It's um, it's understanding small unit tactics. It's um, it's also about asymmetrical warfare, uh, and and absolutely being able to cause you know people in you know positions of power mm-hmm. a lot of uh, a lot of problems. And so, I kind of you know it's 
it's <laughs> something I love doing, especially for people that like to force and coerce others to do things, to to throw a wrench into their system and make them explain themselves and, and really just use the truth to do it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that it's it's there is something to it. And, you know, it's a lot of I think libertarians get all bent out of shape because oh, we're not winning elections, you know, which means we're not in power. But, you know, I've, as far as I understand libertarianism, as I read, it's power is not the goal. Uh, empowerment of an individual is really, you know, the society that we that we're looking for, that we crave, uh, that we're that we're trying to create. And so uh, if I can, you know, go out there and be, you know, a voice for the individuals and, and just cause all sorts of mayhem for these murderers and thieves, man, like I'm. I'm tickled to death at the end of the day. I don't care if I lose elections. You know, it's 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 about having the effect of delegitimizing a bunch of monsters. So, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe I'm a weird person, but it, it's definitely uh, <laughs> definitely one of those things I enjoy. Hey, we're gonna take a real quick minute here. I want to tell you guys about a really cool service. It's for expats. It's for location independent and international entrepreneurs seeking financial freedom. It's really for anybody concerned about their privacy, which honestly, in today's world, it should be everybody. Now, if you remember back on episode 308, uh, titled Living Virtually in South Dakota with Dallas, the Privacy Postmaster, during that episode, Dallas told us about um, his service called privacypost.io. Now, what is privacypost.io? It is a privacy by default virtual mail and business center. Now, the services that are included are virtual mail, a professional business address, privacy trust services, company formation, Portugal D7 residency, and virtual domicile in the privacy respecting an income tax-free state of South Dakota. Now, privacypost.io protects you from third parties, overreaching government agencies, and complicit cloud platforms invading your private personal and business information. Privacy is freedom of association, expression, commerce, and mobility. Privacypost.io is your partner in freedom. Go to privacypost.io for more information and make sure to tell them that you heard about them on Finding Freedom. So follow, follow up on that. And, and uh, I think there is a lot to be said for just being a disruptor and just uh, because, because that disruption is going to, it's going to bring focus on, on issues. It's going to bring, it's going to bring focus to, to you as, as you've gotten a lot of attention with, uh, um, you know, the, the Senate campaign last year, really put in the that campaign was in the national spotlight and you, you were a large part of that. And mm-hmm. I think there's there's a lot to be said for that. And just to take like for for an example, obviously we're living through right now this this COVID regime. And when we look at really tactically, how can we defeat the COVID regime? How can we at least mitigate their uh, interference in our lives? Anything and everything, I think, is is worth dis- discussing. Trying to protect, you know, our, our own individual sovereignty. So, how how do or, or maybe maybe this isn't a part of your goal. Maybe this is this is something separate. But r- running as a, a libertarian for governor, can you have an impact that sets the COVID regime back, that knocks them back on their heels? 
Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing is um, I've kind of boiled this down to win either way. Um, and so for anybody that doesn't know the race down here, I'm running against uh, probably Brian Kemp, who is the incumbent Republican uh, governor who wasn't great during COVID um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and then there's Stacey Abrams, who I think is probably a household name um, if you understand politics. So yeah, this... Uh, this idea of you know going in and, and, and disrupting you know who these people are um, that is the strategy um, you know the, the the winning strategy in terms of helping people see this is you know medical freedom um, we, we we've all been talking about this in Liberty Circles since day one maybe minus the LNC and it's been you know something that we have push since you know like for me you know i came out i think probably in the very beginning of this and just said listen you guys need to be real careful about what's coming because you know there were hints that other states were going before georgia uh did their own lockdown and i said once they do this that this doesn't come back like the next time this we see you know quote unquote freedom um the ability to to go to work to not be labeled non-essential uh, to, to not have our businesses, you know, just crammed with bureaucrats from places um, like the, the, the health, um, you know, bureaucracies that are out there monitoring, like, this is going to be a struggle. So for, you know, for what I'm going to be doing, um, not only exposing that side of it, and how both of them were absolutely in the tank, and probably still mostly in the tank for uh, the pharmaceutical companies and things like that out there, you know, pushing the vaccine as kind of a single mm -hmm. source narrative. Um, I think that's going to absolutely hammer them. And so at the end of the day, whether, you know, we win power or we don't win power, um, you know, we, we have the ability to, to bring these guys to the understanding that this guy over here is going to pu keep pulling votes. And the Republican is going to have to try to outright me and the, you know, the, the Democrats going to have to try to outleft me on, you know, the some of the, the freer social issues, which neither one of them, I think, is going to be willing to do. Like Brian Kemp has come around and said, you know, we're going to get constitutional carry done this time around, um, you know, which I don't believe because he promised Matt Gertler, who was a state rep down here who works for uh, Thomas Massey. He's his chief of staff. He, he promised him that if he got his endorsement, he'd push constitutional carry through in his first term. And obviously it hasn't happened. So we're going to pull. Uh, the Republican into, you know, at least some better messaging will probably push the Democrat into um, better messaging on, you know, the, the whole voting thing that's going on down here. And, you know, the, the beautiful thing about what's happening with the, the American empire right now and its implosion is that when we're watching this thing implode and people are losing all their confidence in institutionalized government, the natural you know thing for most people to do is start looking to their, their local organizations. So the Democrat wins, you're gonna see, I think, more of that as people begin to reject what's going on at the state level and their bureaucracies. Um, and if the Republican wins, I think you're going to see them come closer to our side. I mean, Marjorie Taylor Greene, for God's sakes, one of the most controversial um, you know, representatives has said in front of millions of people, the Republicans need to listen to Shane Hazel. He's running for governor. And she tweeted it out before she got banned on Twitter, um, which I it's think probably, is it's probably what got her banned. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't that wasn't uh, those fresh Q takes, uh, I'm sure. But um, for, <laughs> for, for what it's worth, I mean, it's kind of a big deal to, to have 
um, I don't know, maybe one of the most controversial congresswomen um, come out and say and tell Republicans, you need to start listening to your libertarians. You need to listen. That's to a huge deal, man. Yeah. Right. So, um, I mean, which tell which tells me, I mean, just looking at the attention, the attention you're gathering, your strategy is working. I mean, it, it's working. Yeah, sure. you know, a lot of people would tell me not to do this kind of stuff. There are there are a lot of people out there that don't. They're like, run as a Republican, and I'm like, yo, guys, like I've tried that. And I know what happens in the GOP if you're not part of the machine, you're not on the grift and, and taken and, and all that kind of stuff. They're like, they're, well, they're I, I think, I mean, the way that I look at political parties, r- running for governor as a Republican, you, you wouldn't be able to. I mean, just because the, uh, the the structures in place. You know, you got to pay your dues to get up to that point where you could even be considered for something like that. You would just, you wouldn't get the funding. So that's pretty much impossible. But I mean, it, it, running as Republicans in your, you know, your local uh, elections and getting elected that way as, as a liberty, libertarian, as a liberty leaning person, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I, I think that's, I mean, get, get in how you can if, uh, I, I, if there's a door there. I absolutely encourage it. We don't have uh, anything out of, you know, statewide ballot access here. So, you know, we're on a different, <laughs> different oppression scale down here for mm-hmm. you know, ballot access like a lot of libertarians are. But yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can go in and, and fool them into voting for you for sheriff um, or mayor, yeah. I, those are great things, man. And I'll tell you, you know, one of my side projects that I started this year um, was this thing called the Helios Initiative. Um, you know, and kind of being a, a constitutional autistic person, I, I see it as a tool for disruption, right? And, and when you understand mm-hmm. it um, and how wildly outside these guys are, you can apply it and you can have those guys apply it. Um, I basically, I wrote um, a, a few of these proclamations uh, or declarations, right? Where uh, you can go onto uh, my website, shanehazel.com under the, uh, the Helios tab or radicalpod.com, either one of those. Um, and you can basically copy and paste word for word um, proclamations to take to your sheriff and take to your mayors that mm-hmm. will nullify and decentralize and localize your government so that the guys with badges and guns are more or less an asset to your neighborhood than, you know, guys that are looking at the peaceful people, at, you know, the population there as a revenue generator. And it makes them safer. It makes us safer, and we actually had um, our first couple wins this year down here in, a, in in Cherokee County, and you know it's we're pushing it into the other mayors and the sheriffs to say, hey, listen, you know when when things continue to degrade, we we want to be a community, and we want you guys you know with us, and we're going to try to reach out now to make your your life easier, and um, it's been extremely well received. Uh, we're starting to look at other parts of the country to kind of replicate this and. Like I said, it's easy as, you know, taking a, a mouse, you know, copying something and pasting it and printing it out in a word format for, you know, whoever you're going to see, whether it's your sheriff mm-hmm. or your mayor, to, uh, to replicate. I, I think that's a really good, that's a really good thing to do strategically. And I think one of the areas where I've changed most as a libertarian, even in within the past nine months to a year, is in how I, I look at police officers. Um Yes, there's you know, there's bad police officers out there. Yes, they're enforcing way too many laws. Um, but from uh, you know, really, a, just looking at strategy for your own community, for your own family, for making your life the best as possible, and that who who live in your community, ha- having a, a good relationship with your local police 
rather than you know flicking them off and you know just just being a uh, just being one of those people who who just causes problems. Sure, if you see them doing something you know horrible, I mean obviously you, you know, recorded and and posted and blow the whistle, all that good stuff. But sure. you you want to have a, a relationship where there, there's a mutual mutual respect if you can get it because. When shit does hit the fan, or if we do devolve into some sort of chaos, um, you want them on your side. You, you don't. You don't want them. You don't want them pointing a finger at you and saying, "Oh, that's that asshole libertarian who's been who's been causing me problems." So, I, I mean, that's. I think that that's something that really libertarians across the board need to look at, sort of changing their tone on how we look at local police. So what do you think of that? Yeah, you know, it's the thing too. Is like you know <laughs> when. I don't know. Most people are not libertarians from birth, right? Like most of us come from a side of, of mm-hmm. the house. Right. And you know, the more time you spend in study, the further, uh, or I, I should say the further you get away from statism, the closer you get to anarchy. Um, because, um, it's just the natural, you know, blessed state of mankind. Um, and to figure out that you don't need the government in your life. Um, th- this, I, I absolutely agree that we, we, we do ourselves incredible favors when we're able to communicate, listen, we care about you guys, right? Like, you know, that putting that good foot forward, uh, you know, um, you know, especially today on Martin Luther King day is there's one, probably one of my favorite quotes ever is be the light and the love, right? It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, hate can't drive out hate and, uh, you know, darkness can't drive out darkness, right? It's the light and the love, um, is what we have to aspire to be and be better, than the people that we perceive as enemies or, or villains or anything like that is you, you have to be able to, you know, kill people with kindness. And, you know, if, if those are the people you can't stand the most in the world, that's where you're probably, that's where you need to work. That's where you need to find humanity. Um, and, you know, just kind of a, a quick um, anecdotal type of, you know, understanding, like, I would have hated, you know, for people to have judged me, especially as a, a Marine uh, out of, you know, kind of the special operations arena, right? Is, you know, just somebody that was, you know, in it for the state and wanted to murder peaceful people around the world. Like, I, I really would have, you know, hated for people to judge me f- from that because the truth is, is most of those police officers, just like most of the people who serve in the military, uh, were indoctrinated from the age of five until they were 18. Some of them got further indoctrinated when they went off to higher education. They definitely got more indoctrination when they went off to some type of boot camp or possibly training, right? And they've never known anything else. It's not like, you know, there's mainstream media out there pushing libertarianism or non-aggression principle or the principles of peace and liberty and consent. Like, that's something that's absolutely a, a red pill. Uh, that's never mm-hmm. been shown to people before. So that benefit of the doubt, like, hey, man, like these guys that are doing this, you know, they're not just collecting paychecks. Like these guys have never heard of an option outside of this. And you, you might be in that special position to bring it to their attention. And if you can have the conversation with the, you know, the police chief or the mayor most of the time in, in a, in a city uh, and for a county type of residence, um, you know, that's, that's your sheriff. Um and I think this is an extremely interesting in, in some a point that I didn't realize because I ran for legislative bodies before, right? And it's like, you know, one person in a legislative body can talk and they can propose things, but you know, it's really, you know, you're just a part of a larger branch of government. Whereas if you're the executive, 
you are the check and balance on the legislative and the judicial that are absolutely out of line and even the bureaucrats for that matter. And so it kind of changes the game. And I think, you know, a lot of libertarians would do very, very well if they started looking at executive positions um, instead of mm-hmm. you know, the legislative positions uh, out there. And if you can do that, you can change the executive by actually becoming that check and balance, that third branch that says enough is enough. We're not doing this, state legislators. We're not doing this bureaucracies. We're not doing this, you know, judges. I mean, you can you can have profound change and there's no better time than like right now to get involved in that kind of stuff. Uh, absolutely. <clears throat> so I want to switch here and talk about just overall what's happening now with the, you know, the COVID regime, the pandemic, uh, Omicron, whatever you want to call it. And there, there's definitely, you know, <clears throat> there's, a shift happening i'm not even sure if it's if it's good or bad but like i mean you just you just see news coming from everywhere um obviously the supreme court ruled last week against um joe biden's mandates against uh companies with 100 more employees uh there's but but they ruled in favor of the the healthcare mandate the healthcare worker mandate there's still the federal contractor mandate that's that's floating out there. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But you look at other things like Hawaii today just said that you're not going to be allowed to travel there unless you have your booster shot. Uh, you have in Australia, you have uh, Novak uh, Djokovic, yeah. uh, tennis star, nine-time champion of their Australian Open, was just deported from the country because he's not vaccinated. So you have a, a lot of different things happening in there's libertarians and conservatives who are saying it's all starting to unravel and I, I wish it was, but I, I'm really, I don't know if unravels the right word. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on the, on the climate right now? Um, so I, I think what's going on is there's a, there's a bit of a, I, you know, unraveling. Yeah. I, I think, I do see some of the the preparation, right, of the the media coming out and going, yeah, you know, like we're gonna we're gonna say a few things that we haven't said, mm-hmm. and a few things that honestly people were getting kicked off of social media for for saying, right, like yeah. these things about ivermectin, uh, about monoclonal antibodies um, are coming out, and people are acknowledging these things. The fact that you know you have the guys from Project Veritas uh, releasing, you know top secret uh, documents from, you know, a Marine who was saying, Hey man, this gain of function stuff is too dangerous. We are, we are absolutely going to nix this DARPA project. Um, that's a, that's a huge deal, um, you know, leading to these kind of things. And then you have, you know, uh, the CDC director coming out and talking about how like 75% of the people who have died um, have had like four uh, comorbidities or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I do see some of this, um, you know, like prep in the, uh, the, the, the propagandist out there, which, it, you know, it, it, when you're fighting, you know, psychological warfare, um, and, you know, and, and, and really trying to get a population primed for some one thing or another, this is really kind of, you know, um, 101 uh, psychological operations, right? So I do see some of it coming unraveled. I, I see the tyrants, you know, doing what tyrants do in times of unraveling is they have to have uh, heavier hands, right? As this all comes apart and they're the guys left in this big, you know, flaming pile of poo. Um, like that's, 
those are the people that I think are most dangerous during this entire thing. You'll start to see, I think, um, a lot of the, you know, the places like um, Europe, I think you're going to start to see things loosen up. I think there was a, a video out there the other day that came from uh, the United Nations where a guy was, you know, holding up redact like redacted pages of, from Pfizer in terms of what they were w willing to release with regards to the vaccine and testing, <laughs> things like that. So for somebody um, as an officer of uh, the UN to start coming out and calling out Pfizer in front of press conference, like you, you are starting to see um, some, some big, big cracks, I think in, in a lot of this kind of stuff. And you're also seeing, I think the narrative breakdown, um, you know, when, when Fauci and, and Rand went at it the other day and basically, um, you know, Fauci begins to defer his responsibility and this to the CDC, um, whether it was the, you know, the vaccination um, and, and, the, and how, you know, prolific, or I guess the efficacy of the vaccination um, and the, um, you know, the, the idea that most of this lands on the CDC and not him. Uh, that's a that's a positive sign. You know, the, the guy that says, you know, like, I'm, I'm Mr. Science. And if you de deny me, then you're denying science. Uh, but I'm not responsible. Right. Like he's already beginning to deflect. He's, he's instead of being on offense, he's kind of shifted. And I think a lot of people have missed, um, you know, Fauci has definitely moved from offense to defense. And it's going to be kind of I, I hope it's glorious um, to watch unravel. You know, if it goes like things that have done in the past, I don't expect any justice out of this. You know, I, I, that's I'm not. Yeah. There. But I, I do. I, I think there's a lot to be said for um what is happening in places like Australia and one, one of the places that I, I hate to see fall. Um, but you know, I, I think there's a lot of Australians that are kind of reaching a tipping point right now and, you know, God bless them and, and more power to them as they, they figure this out and maybe fight for some freedom down there. Yeah. I think, I think you might've posted this, a video I saw on Twitter that had like, there was a, like a, a bar in Australia and there's five or six guys out front who, who were blocking the cops from coming in the whole bars chanting, get out of here, get out of here, go away. So it's, I mean, it's, it's great to see stuff like that. So, I mean, the, there's progress. I mean, there, there's good things happening. I, I think my fear when it comes to this whole pandemic and I mean, not to be like a Debbie downer, but I think we will get out of this current situation in some way and get back to some sort of, you know, normalcy that we had previous in, uh, in 2019. My fear though, is for the next virus, the next thing that comes, um, it's going to be maybe just even easier to lock down. But e even outside of that, if they have a vaccine for, if it is a virus that actually works and is actually safe it's going to be very easy for them to uh, to put in place a biomedical state because half the population, maybe more than that, was ready for a biomedical state with an ineffective vaccine that's very dangerous and is killing people. So if they have one that's not killing people, I mean, you have a biomedical state, easy, easy peasy. I, I don't see how you stop it. Yeah, I, I mean, there. I think, you know, first and foremost, I, th I think you're right that they're, you know, in terms of the understanding of numbers, right? Like mm -hmm. I, we, we are at the 50% mark somewhere. Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe those numbers are fudged a little bit more for the propagandists. Um, 
but I do see people peeling off, you know, they're not getting their third, they're definitely not getting their fourth or fifth shots, right? Like, they're like, eh, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, and, you know, and, and that puts them into a non-boosted, non-vaccinated category, mm-hmm. which a lot of times, you know, their employment hangs on and everything else. So, you know, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, that, but I, I also think that there's, probably a much larger percentage that you need to have to absolutely go into a biomedical state, right? And, and I don't think that's, I don't think we're even close to approaching what they need. I think you probably need about 90% of the population that's saying, no, you must do this. Um, because most people aren't willing to invite the tragedy that will happen when they try to force people into vaccination. And that's, I think that's really, um, you know, maybe my, my optimism coming out is like, Hey man, like 10% of the population that says, no, man, you guys can go pound sand. Uh, we're going to defend this with our lives. Like I, that's enough to really, you know, probably push back, um, you know, a, a population of people with needles, right? Like I, I don't, I don't see it uh, coming down. Yeah. But and it's 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 probably different state to state. I, I'm sure. I mean, it definitely is. I mean, they could, they could probably do it in New York right now or California if they wanted at to. At least New York City for sure. Yeah. yeah well, they already have pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I I hope you're right. I think we'll know. Hopefully, we never reach this point. But when you see uh, a company like like Walmart, you know, one of these big global global companies that says you can't come in our store unless you have unless you have your shots unless you have your vax your your vax pass. At that point, if you see that happen, all bets are off. We're we're in for a rough ride. I I think it'll be you know the the, the beautiful thing about now and I mean like I, I I'm the eternal optimism is we've got a a fallback on this one and you know in in the Bitcoin community if if mm-hmm. you guys are into Bitcoin. Um, you know, this is one of those things that I have really just kind of been, you know, picking up, you know, over the past couple of years now, uh, in terms of understanding and how absolutely critical and important it is like the, the escape hatch is wide open. There are people at the escape hatch going, Hey man, as soon as you decide that you want to start to leave this fiat enslavement system, um, that will, you know, take all the power away from DC. It'll really take the, the power away from governments in general uh, and, and build this very different type of society. You know, you're you're going to see people in companies that have abused people during this time absolutely fall on their face as this inflation uh, continues to, you know, you know, rise, which it has to through Keynesian, you know, economics, yeah. right? Like they, if they don't spend, the economy dies. And when the economy dies, people aren't getting voted back into office. Like that's, you're going to see, you know, a real, real change. And I think a lot of the people that are going to step up, uh, run for office and be successful are the people that are going to push everything that, you know, we talk about in terms of the Bitcoin community, the Austrian type of economics, uh, and moving off of a fiat system that's controlled by a, you know, international banking cabal. Like uh, this is the, like the harder they push down on us, I think the faster things like this are going to happen. And, um, you know, there is not, it's not going to be painless. I mean, I'm not, you know, not going to tell yeah. anybody that, but there is definitely, uh, a way out and it will be less painful now than I think probably ever in history. Uh, if we can convince enough people to go fast enough into, uh, an alternate free decentralized, saleable, immutable currency. 
Yeah, I think people don't realize how close we are to really a complete transformation of our financial systems. And yeah. I get, I mean, that's one of the things that it kind of scares me about how this is all going to shake out. I mean, there, there will be some pain, but you think of the uh, the amount of power that's going to that's going to change hands. And you think about these investment banks. You think about you know the the Federal Reserve. You think about all the jobs at major banks that that aren't going to be needed. You know, w- yeah. once we once we shift to Bitcoin, I mean, that's a huge sector of your economy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, there's going to be. Banker? I mean, what's that? When everybody's their own bank. Well, when, yeah. When when a majority of people have their own keys to their own hard wallet, man, I mean, you're your own bank at that point. And I mean, what a what a fundamental change to anything and everything that we've ever known in mm-hmm. you know, economic history. Like that's that's not something that you know, unless you were you know those people back in the day that were kept gold at the house or something like that, right? Like. You know, that, that wasn't a lot of people that would entrust even their own estate to large sums of, you know, hard currency. Um, and, and so, yeah, you're, you're not kidding. This, the fundamental change that is about to, you know, come upon us, it's like that old saying, you know, how did you go broke? You know, it was slowly at first and then all of a sudden. Uh, it's going to be the mm-hmm. same thing, you know, with the, the new paradigm shift in this, this new economy, which is going to be fantastic. So, so how much can you bring Bitcoin, discussing Bitcoin, or even discussing inflation into your run for governor? Um, is, is that a part, of, a part of your platform? Yeah, uh, Bitcoin is absolutely part of my flat platform. It's on, uh, it's on my main page uh, right now, ShaneHazel.com. And um, yeah, you know, if, if I've got anything to say about it, um, you know, we're going to move to Bitcoin. I mean, I'm not going to like, listen, I'm not about taxes, right? Like that's not what I want as a governor. It's, it's about freeing people and empowering people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, to where, what was it? Ecuador that moved into Bitcoin or El Salvador or something. something El, I think it was El Salvador. I think, I think. Right. whichever um, one is more violent because it was like, well, that's nice, but you probably don't want to go there. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the, the idea that you're going to force people into currency, I, that's not that's not my game, right? Like I don't I don't want to force people. I, I want the market to work and I want the market to choose. I know who the winner is um, because of the properties that are in principles that are built into it in terms of decentralization. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the inflation is definitely going to be a very big part of everything that's going on from here forward. Because, like I said, they can't stop it. They're going to have to continue to spend more and more and more money. And as you see, you know, these ridiculous omnibus bills come out of the federal government, you know, I don't think most people realize it. Our number one export is America right now is us dollars and that's so that you know people around the world um are buying us you know thing right or able mm-hmm. to trade or be a re- world reserve currency uh and i think the more americans that wake up and see this or you know and the thing is is they're not going to be able to avoid you know the the impacts of inflation you know right now we're looking at you know before you know 1980 cpi you know adjustments we're looking at over 20 percent inflation now um and that is an absolute incredible number uh that you know it's going to rob people blind of their savings and so um yeah this is going to be one of the one of the biggest things besides medical freedom uh that we're, that i'm going to be campaigning on for the next year yeah, you look at i mean how 
how Democrats first have responded to inflation. Uh, the, the Biden administration, I'm sure, sure Stacey Abrams is saying similar things. I haven't oh, seen it. man. But is, is that is she basically just saying ignore it, ignore it? It's only helping rich. It's 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 not hurting poor people. I mean, it's so absurd. It's yeah, it's insanity, man. That nobody can be believing that. And so there's a huge opening there because this is one of those things. I mean, like like COVID, where. I mean, the, pol- the the policies of the COVID regime regime reached in and actually, you know, affected people's lives, shook up, you know, shook up their family life, dumped them on their head, and like, what the what the hell just happened? Um, you have the same thing with, with inflation. I mean, people are feeling it every day. So you have this unique situation where, and it's not always like this every election. I mean, there, there's a, many elections where you know things seem to be just going along and going along. And libertarians are standing off to the side, saying, "Look at the national debt. Look at the Federal Reserve." And everyone's like, "We're doing fine. What are, what are you talking about? You guys are crazy." Yeah, but this is one of those times where the policies are actually wreaking havoc. So, how can you take that havoc and take those libertarian principles and and not scare people when you're explaining them? <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah, th- and this is this is where a lot of libertarians uh, lead with their brain instead of their heart, right? Is mm-hmm. uh, this is where storytelling comes into play? Like somebody who's experienced in in you know gaining the trust of a crowd is often relatable because they they hit them in the heart and not the brain, right? Like you don't want to sit there and call people dumbasses because they don't understand Austrian economic theory and you know the boom bust cycles and. And all of that kind of thing. It's, it's not going to be your bread and butter <laughs> for sure. Um, but telling them that, you know, you were put out of a job because of, you know, you're, you didn't want to get a vaccine or that, mm-hmm. uh, that your small business was killed because, you know, you were labeled by your government as uh, somebody who was non-essential. And, 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 and you know, to, to talk about these real struggles that have, you know, depleted all of your life savings over the past year because you haven't been able to, to find steady work. Um, you've been artificially forced out of the market, uh, that these things are absolutely done on purpose by banks that are licking their chops because they want to buy your property for pennies on the dollar when you default. And, you know, to, to see this and to be able to, to, you know, come to people with sentiment and with, you know, real, no kidding. Hey, man, I've, I've been living this with you guys and I've been talking out, you know, against this the entire time. You know, your opponents are left with one of two options. They can double down and continue to say, this is the way forward. We have to continue to control you or they have to join you. You know, and that's that's the beautiful thing about being this extremely different voice that is measured in, in research and reason and and being able to communicate with any crowd that's out there because you've lived it and you're not here to play ball for you know the fakes and the phonies and the the special interest groups right like it's either they're going to double down on some terrible terrible um you know policies that have absolutely wrecked the economy which is just another Mm -hmm. word for your livelihood um or uh, they got to join you in terms of you know what your message is and either way it's a way (laughs) It's a win-win for us in the Liberty crowd. So, yeah, I mean, we've been the boys that have cried wolf for a long time on the economy, right? Like 50 years. We've been saying this for 50 yeah. years, guys. Like at some point, this is going to happen. Um, it happened. And we have 
we we got the answers for you guys um and we're we're willing to do anything and everything we have to do uh to get uh you know the economy quote unquote uh to a better state and that all depends on empowering people you know at the end of the day it's like hey man you guys like all this government because um this government has absolutely killed the economy nobody we're, we're not in any shortage of government right now for god's sakes and the opposite end of that is freeing people uh, and trusting people to go out there and manage their own resources to the best of their ability to take care of themselves. And yeah, I'll tell you what, you know, during times of, uh, you know, necessity, uh, that is that is the some of the greatest leaps in history in terms of technological um, mm-hmm. leaps where we go from, you know, that zero to one factor where never existed to something now exists. Like we're coming up on a, on that period in history again. And I mean, to have the foresight to see it and set people free is going to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, not to, not to dwell on Bitcoin again, but I mean, something that I can't get out of my mind that I, I forget where I heard it a couple of weeks ago, but you know, one of the things that we'll be able to do with Bitcoin is the days of, you know, working your nine to five job, you know, 40 hours a week and getting paid every other week, those days will be over. You'll work and you'll get paid immediately. It'll go right to your wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and you think about all, all of that. You know, it just it just gets rid of all of the lost opportunity cost. I mean, yeah. and that just com- compounds as you get bigger and bigger transactions, investments involved, and when you pull out the middleman. So it's it's going to be incredibly exciting time. And you talk uh, about how it changes culture too. Yeah. I mean, the the ability of Bitcoin to change culture, right? Like if we have a a culture that's built on Keynesian economics, which is like spend, right? Not save, Mm -hmm. spend. Spend is a, like if you have to spend right now in in an economy that's based on spending right now, that's high time preference or it's, you know, uh, you know, you know, self-gratification like right now versus the, 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 um, the Austrian side, which is low time preference. Which is, you know, delayed gratification. When you when you change a culture into a delayed gratification culture, what they understand is, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go without some today. Whatever it is I have to do to save, uh, to have a better tomorrow, to put off that immediate gratification, that starts to breed a different type of thinking, a different type of culture, and that begins to change people um, from doing extremely high risk things in terms of like gambling or sex work or you know, using, you know, tons and tons of drugs or, you know, and I'm not, you know, like I said, like I'm a libertarian is you do whatever you want to do. I want you to be free to do those things, even in an Austrian type Bitcoin economy. But at the end of the day, like you're not going to need to do those things because culture changes and rewards people who save and who sacrifice and put off, you know, uh, the, the, the immediate gratification of today for tomorrow. And I think that's, you know, one of the the biggest you know things about Bitcoin that people miss is like this is a cultural shift right from the very bedrock. That, that's an outstanding point, and it's I mean even from the the perspective of you know you look at you look at socialists who are who will say that you know these uh, millionaires and billionaires, CEOs and people like, like Elon Musk are, are, are making way too much money. We need to control the means of production. Well, you'll be able, you'll be able to, with, with Bitcoin, with cryptocurrency, um, 
if if it's if it's warranted and if if the market demands it, you'll be able to pay people in a way that if you buy a product as you as you make that purchase, that people along uh, the supply chain could be paid immediately their value for uh, for creating that product. So it can it can completely change the way. Or if you're you're out to dinner and you and, and you pay your bill, it pays it pays the waitress, it, it pays the you know it pays the busboy, it pays the chef, it pays the manager immediately all at the same time completely transcends the way that transactions are done and i'm just if i sound like i'm crazy i'm just starting to understand this and get excited about it but uh oh, it's so cool it's man a cool thing. what uh question for you man if you don't mind is like sure. what, what um what are you getting into in terms of the space um and in, in your you know uptake and reading or listening or what what do you love in terms of the bitcoin space I, I just I don't have the book here in front of me, but I just started reading. Uh, what is the name of that book? Um, I'm not going to think of the name, but it's it's by it's a, it's by a well known uh, Austrian economist. Mm. What the freak is his name? Rothbard. I'm not going to think of it. But I'll just I'll say this: <laughs> most of what I've learned, or at least what got me interested in the first part in Bitcoin, was uh, the course I took through Vin Armani Bitcoin Mystery mm. School. Yeah. And uh, I h- highly recommend it. Um, we took it, and we took it as a as a group with uh, Lions of Liberty, uh, Lions of Liberty Pride members. And uh, I mean, and I, I don't even, I don't even agree with with everything Vin says about about what what Bitcoin is. And I'm sure that he could, if I were to debate him, he'll probably embarrass me because he understands the, the space so well. Yeah, but. Um, it's it's one of those things, and I, and I, I don't know. I, I I've just kind of the, the way I look at it. The only way I'm going to learn about something. This is like a I've been I've been buying Bitcoin through through Coinbase and dabbling that way for a while. I don't consider that really getting involved in the space. But it's good though. It's a good start. Yeah. But I, I've just started to sort of just kind of surround myself with the ideas and, and hoping that some of it starts to seep in through my uh, my thick skull. But what what about you? What uh what are you excited about? What are you getting involved in? So like I I've been in this space for a while. I made some big mistakes too. I mean, um I'll happily admit that. Like I, I think you know, people who are getting into Bitcoin need to be very careful of, of a lot of very smart people um who don't have the best intentions in the space, right? So if you're if you're looking at cold wallets and that kind of stuff and and moving money around make sure you're not being scammed or had or tracked or any of that kind of stuff like be very careful because i'll tell you from experience like through very costly experience um i lost a lot and um but what i'm excited about in terms of that space is like when i thought like you know you need to go learn about bitcoin like it's a subject right it's like austrian Mm -hmm. economics like i thought yeah you know it's there's a mountain of information i'll just go digest the mountain man bitcoin is not that Bitcoin is a is mountain ranges of information, right? And yeah. I'm like, and the thing is, we're the the higher you climb on some of these mountains that you're going to digest, you start to see other ranges pop up, and you start to your your mind starts to be able to work, and you start to see exactly what it is. And so for me, you know, trying now getting to the point where I'm starting to go, well, what about this industry? Why don't we use you know Bitcoin and the Lightning Network to do this instead of you know, what we're doing now in terms of the privatization, the setting up of communities, the, you know, the, the idea that, you know, anything and everything that you do um, will be through consent and through contract. And if something is broken, 
then you will, you know, you're either going to pay because you broke the contract or somebody is going to pay you because they broke the contract. And to, to see, you know, where this leads in terms of a, a consenting society and how it, you know, changes very fast uh, the, the economies, you know, where, you know, the regulation goes out the window, they're self-regulating, um, you know, there, there are standards that are set forth by, um, you know, different parts of industry. So if, you know, let's just say, you know, inside of the medical industry that the, the hospital people that are all about bureaucracy um, try to set up, you know, uh, an altcoin type of uh, exchange versus, you know, something that's set up in a Bitcoin type of exchange. Mm-hmm. The, the the market is going to, you know, solve that out, right? This, it's not going to be, you know, the government picking the winners and the losers. It's going to be the market that finally says, yeah, this is the way. But, you know, it's it's basically, you know, to to describe it, it's a, it's a communications protocol um, with no third party. You know, you don't have to trust a third party in here. And if it's, it's just basically just math, that's right. Yeah. TC, <laughs> it's like TCP IP for the internet, right? It's like that very ground based communication protocol. And so mm-hmm. what's going to happen is, is there's going to be all these new technologies that land on top of that communications protocol that begin to form something new that nobody's ever seen. Lightning um, is going to speed up the transaction rate. It's already been introduced out there uh, to help process, um, you know, what, Bitcoin's biggest, I think, biggest hurdle was was the um, you know the processing of the blocks for um, you know speed. They were only capable of so many blocks per day. But Lightning, apparently, you know, a new layer of technology on top of that mm-hmm. um, solves that problem. So what you're already talking about is you know um, remittance around the world. You know, it doesn't take a Western Union anymore. It doesn't take a third party. You don't lose money. You just transact from whatever currency you want to, you know, Bitcoin. And, you know, nothing is lost in terms of um, paying a third party, you know, banker that may or may not get you money in a certain amount of hours. <laughs> right. And and that's yeah. that's really um, that opens up the world market into trade and for us as libertarians, I think the most exciting part about that is when you open up international free markets, you kill warfare. You kill, yeah. you kill the, the this incentive to do death and destruction and to go after people because there's no gain. Um, yeah, when, when, the people, when the people are transacting with each other, if the leaders are saying, well, we need to go to war with this country, the people, why are we going to war with this country? I'm building my business with my friend Shane over in the United States and Georgia. Why would I do that? Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I think that's the, you know, the thing I'm most excited about is, you know, as the governments begin to fall and the banks and everything else, um, it also brings with it an era of peace. And I think that is mm-hmm. probably the coolest thing in the world for us. Yeah. Hundred percent, man. The book is the, the Bitcoin Standard. Have you oh, heard of it? Fantastic. I, so I'm actually on my third time through it. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, um, I just started it like three days ago. So yeah. it is. <laughs> if, if, if if you guys haven't, um, I hope you have a good Austrian background. If you don't, this will help you with Austrian economics mm-hmm. as well. Uh, but that's Bitcoin, man. Bitcoin is Austrian economics, and it has been coded into. Um, I guess it's finality now. Um, and boy, I mean, yeah, the Bitcoin standard is absolutely a must read for anybody. And, you know, if you don't get it on the first time through, do it on the second, maybe third. Like, you know, I'm a crayon eater. I, I, need, I need a few times through on some things. Yeah, I can, I can already tell I'm going to have to read 
read what I read again over. So it's, uh, <laughs> you, might, you might need to listen while you're doing chores. That's how, I mean, that's how I learn. I, yeah, I don't yeah. do well reading. But, uh, Shane, this has been a lot of fun. Um, we're at an hour already, but I don't even think I really introduced you at the beginning. So you should probably plug yourself, plug your podcast, plug your, uh, your, your campaign for governor, anything else you're working on. Yeah, you can find everything about me at radicalpod.com. John, um, I'm, I'm super humble, man. Like, obviously, if we could talk for hours and hours, I hope you'll um, do me the favor, you know, as soon as I get this back thing worked out, maybe in the next week or so, um, come on my show. We can we can do more of sure. this on your first, maybe second reading of uh, the Bitcoin standard. But um, yeah, man, radicalpod.com. Um, the, the show I run is Radical and everything I'm doing for governor is at shanehazel.com. Oh, and I'm obviously now that I'm official, um, I'm self-funding. So if anybody wants to go out and become a patron of Radical, that's how I'm going to fund the campaign. And that's oh, how nice. I'm uh, going to get around all their election you know, nonsense. So um, yeah, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the time, John. It's been absolute blast, man. Shane Hazel. Thank you, sir. Hey, I want to tell you about the Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy podcast with Jacob Winograd. It's an ongoing evaluation on how a Christian should view the state and human authority, as well as diving into the principles of libertarianism. On the podcast, he explores the entanglements between the church and the state in order to bring Christians and the church back to practicing the mantra of no king but Christ. Episodes about philosophy, anarchism, politics, economics, and of course, very interesting guests. Please check it out, the Daniel 3 Biblical Anarchy Podcast with Jacob Winograd. Hey, thank you for listening today. I really do appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And just a quick request before I send you on your way. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the Lions of Liberty Network feed, please do that. Or if you haven't subscribed yet to my new solo Finding Freedom feed, I would really appreciate that as well. Of course, on that Finding Freedom feed, every single Tuesday, you will get a Finding Freedom Rewind. What that is, is a an episode from the archives of Felony Friday or Finding Freedom, reaching back and pulling a gem out of the past. And this past week, just amazing episode. I listened to it again, and it blew my mind even more so again a couple years later. Uh, interview with Judy Henderson, who served 36 years in prison for a murder that she did not commit. The story is just bonkers and will blow your mind that this happened in our society, and she did that time. Uh, She was pardoned by the governor and has been free for several years now. She's an incredible lady. Really, highly recommend you listening to that. And please, after you listen, give me a nice little five-star rating, write a review, and be sure to subscribe. So check that out. And after you do all of that, if you still say, hey, these lines of Liberty guys are so great. I just want to support them any way I can. You can join our patron at patreon.com slash lions of liberty or at 
lionsofliberty.locals.com. And uh, you can get all our bonus content, all our bonus shows, Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers. Um, most of our interviews that we do uh, are live streamed there, either in our Facebook group, which you get access to, or through a private uh, YouTube link. So you can check those out and watch along as we uh, do the interviews and, and ask questions. So please consider joining and uh, we'd love to have you. So thank you so much. Hope everyone has an awesome weekend and always remember to keep your head up and the fires of Liberty burning. <laughs>